0: Welcome to the Heart of a Man podcast. We are a movement of men pursuing faith, character, personal growth, and meaningful friendships. If you'd like to learn more about us and our mission to rebuild the American family one man at a time, please visit us at heartofaman.org. We hope you enjoy this lesson from our series called Genesis, Why Is It This Way? Well, we have an interesting lesson for, for Valentine's Day. Uh, a brother killing his brother. So uh, I, I didn't write the script, so uh, that's just how the, the lesson fell this week, you guys. I don't know about any of you guys, but I grew up with older brothers, two older brothers. In fact, they were identical twins. And I was the younger brother of the, of the two older brothers that were identical twins. That was a little challenging because there was two on one most of the time. Uh, and there was always competition. We didn't have a dad. Uh, he had left when we were real little and my mom had to leave to go work in Chicago. So we were being raised by our grandparents. So there was the three of us just all kind of running around and it was always competition. There was never not competition. Climbing trees, running, basketball, football, spelling, math, didn't matter what it was. There was always competition. I think you get the point, right? Um, but we were. it always seemed like the competition wasn't really just to have fun, it was like, like butting heads all the time. I don't know if anyone had brothers that felt that but it was always like there was just this tension and this struggle and somebody had to lose you know for someone to win and it never felt good to me you know but I could tell you what's sad is that's still one of my strongest motivators is to beat my brothers at everything and we're never I never see them but I'm still in my mind beating them right like I'm winning And so, you know, and it's not a good thing. I can't tell you that, but it always seems to be haunting me. It never feels really good, but it always feels necessary for some reason, that idea of sibling rivalry. And Genesis 4 is about Cain, the first son of the first family, and his brother Abel. And it's not really very hard to believe after having grown up with brothers that there was sibling rivalry of the first brothers that were ever born. But tonight God shows us the origin of this animosity that exists between brothers. There's two key truths I wanna highlight tonight. The first one is this, animosity toward my brother disconnects me from God. Animosity towards my brother disconnects me from God. And the second one is this, murder is done by men who are disconnected from both their heavenly father and their biological father. And so my aim tonight is that you'll have a deep desire to love your Christian brothers and to help men who have wounds from their earthly father. Let's pray together and we'll get ready to hear God speak. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you. Thank you for these men being here tonight to give up this time to be together, Lord. Father, help us hear you speak. Lord, help me get out of the way, Lord. I'm, I'm, I'm nervous about my words and what's gonna come out of my mouth, and I'm just praying that what they hear is what you want them to hear and not what I say, Lord. And I also pray that whatever distraction they have at their phone, their watch, or whatever's in their pocket, just help that not be there right now. Help them hear you speak to them and help us have this time with you, Jesus. Let our whole soul be consumed by your spirit now, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. In Genesis 4, God said he did not favor Cain's offering and yet showed favor toward the offering of Abel. We're not really told why, so we have to speculate a bit. bit. And so there are speculations about that it was the wrong type of offering. Should have brought an animal instead of some grain. And that's not a bad uh, speculation. But, you know, when you dig around in Leviticus, you find out there's lots of grain offerings for lots of purposes. And so there's a time when grain is really the right thing to bring. And so you're like, that doesn't really explain why God would be bothered by that or you could argue that it was just poor quality right he brought some poor quality to his offering and the other offering was a higher quality but that's also kind of hard to put your head to get your head wrapped around cuz it's so easy to fix you're like why would a brother kill a brother over something that's that easy to fix that doesn't really seem to explain it the last option i think that explains it is that god saw a problem in Cain's heart and we read in hebrews 11:4 it says god saw Abel's gift was brought from a heart Of faith, which would indicate Cain's offering lacked faith. From this, we can surmise Cain was disconnected from God. This disconnect is is revealed in his life after the murder. So think about after what happened in the murder. He showed no signs of repentance. In fact, he says, I'm not supposed to keep track of my brother. I don't know what happened to him. He lies to God. And then he has, we see no indication after he's kicked out of this presence of God. It literally says he's no longer in the presence of God. That does not indicate somebody that's close to God at all. And then we see nothing from there on out with his children, with their worship, their gratitude offerings. There's no indication that anyone in his line had any relationship with God. So I think it's reasonable to conclude that Cain had no love or faith in God at all. And God could see that in his offering. In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus is helping us understand this offering issue. He said this, but I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother, Raka is answerable to the court. And anyone who says you fool will be in danger of the fire of hell. Here's the connection. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, Leave your gift in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to him, then come and offer your gift. I think Jesus is thinking about the Cain and Abel offering. God could see the root of Cain's hatred. God made the comparison of the offerings to draw it out. Cain's lack of love for God was rooted in his hatred for Abel. This offering war was not the cause of the hatred. It was simply the method God used to reveal the hatred. Jesus said, anger towards your brother will put you in danger of the fire and hell in that Matthew verse. And that's exactly what God said to Cain when he said, sin is knocking at your door. You better get control of it or it's gonna get control of you. The apostle John linked our love for God and our love for our brother in these words. Listen to this. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother whom they've seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must love his brother. God knew that Cain would kill his brother because his love for God was gone. Hatred for a brother puts hatred in your heart. And once you have hatred in your heart, you can't love God in that moment. Without the love of God in your heart, there's nothing that can restrain you from murder. God can see the hatred and malice we all carry in our hearts, it's all in us. In Genesis 6, in fact, he's gonna say, the Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil at all the time. God has visibility of the hatred that is in your heart. The minute you have it, he can see it. That hatred in our hearts towards a brother blocks our love for God, that's the key thought. The hatred in your heart blocks your love for God. I'm amazed at how much animosity, malice, gossip, criticism, and attacks there are by Christians on Christians. It's unbelievable to watch us attack and use words of of hatred towards each other and God sees all of that in us. We can't come to church and hide behind our singing and our prayers. Repeating and teaching Bible lessons does not hide hatred in my heart from God. We can't hide behind financial giving and we can't hide behind good works. Those are offerings God will not accept when we keep holding malice towards another Christian brother in our heart. Why? Because God knows unity in the body has destroyed one petty issue at a time. I men, we often form negative opinions about other men within seconds of meeting him, don't we? Like, I mean, we just walk up and there's a guy and he's like, yeah, he's cool. And then why walks up and he's like, no, nah, that dude's goofy, man, I don't like him. Uh, he's weird. Nah, dude, nah, I don't like that dude. And, you know, if you could put a bubble up in people's heads, you'd be seeing them walk around like you don't even know the dude. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. There's just something about him. Those opinions lead us to look for facts than to support those feelings, don't they? We start looking for justification of why we don't like that dude. We judge each other constantly and in so many ways. And that's why most of us are lonely as men, because we have so many reasons to dislike each other that we just make up in our own head. Jesus made his desire for us to be unified so clear in John 17 when he prayed, I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I and them and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. God told Cain what to do. He said, do what's right, Cain, do what's right. And Jesus said in Matthew five, before we go do our religious act, Go get right with people whom you hold animosity toward. And then in Matthew 18, he said, if your brother offends you, go and get right with him. This is what he's talking about. Guys, we have to identify this frustration we have for each other. We have to spot it and we have to bring that frustration and animosity to a brother that we're feeling that towards. That's what this is called to be. We have to take a lot of time and go through lots of discussions to get this right. It takes courage to go talk to another brother and stay in relationship, but that's what this text is pointing at. This is what Cain did not do with Abel. He hated Abel, and that hatred blocked his love for God, and that's what God could see in his offering. His offering reflect his hatred for his brother. And that was a hatred for God. I had a leader come to me and tell me, he thought I'd broken our confidentiality policy. And he sat with me, he said, man, this is hard for me to do. It took a ton of courage for him to say, I think you made some mistakes. But instead of leaving the friendship, which a lot of guys do, they look at you, they criticize you and they just jet out. I don't wanna hang out with that dude anymore. i had enough. They just leave and cut out. This guy didn't do that. He came to me and said, no, I'm not gonna do that. I'm gonna try to help you. That was hard to hear. I listened to it, we worked it out, and it was really helpful to me. We're still together and closer friends than we were before. And that's what friendship looks like, you guys. Paul said in Ephesians 4.26, don't let the sun set while you're still angry and don't give the devil a foothold. Anger, animosity, or a need to beat a brother leaves a window through which the devil will in fact invade your heart. And once he's in there, man, it is hard to get rid of. So who in your life right now is a believer who's a Christian, a Christian brother that you're gossiping about, criticizing, fighting with, holding animosity toward, or feeling a need to beat? Who is that? Who's that person in your heart right now? When will you go start the discussion with that person to get things right? The second area I wanna talk about is in Genesis 4, we see that Cain, in fact, did ignore God's warning and he killed his brother. Cain had no faith, he was disconnected from God. And guys, when men get disconnected from God, we are highly destructive. We follow the path of the evil, which leads us to destroy what God created. Listen to these numbers. 500,000 people are killed every year globally, homicides. 93% of those homicides are committed by men. 80% of those homicide victims are men. 70% of suicides are men. Men, when we get disconnected from God, we kill each other and we kill ourselves. Men disconnected from God are often disconnected from their earthly fathers as well, which leads them to be even more destructive. The Journal of Research in Crime and Delinquency reports that the most reliable indicator of violent crime in a community is the proportion of fatherless families. Fatherless boys are three times more likely to go to jail. 85% of boys in jail are fatherless. 85% of youths that exhibit behavioral disorders are fatherless. 72% of adolescents sentenced for murder are fatherless. They are four times more likely to be poor. They're two times more likely to commit suicide. 71% of high school dropouts are fatherless. Fatherless boys are seven times more likely to get a girl pregnant as a teen. 75% of teens in drug abuse centers are fatherless. Communities with the highest fatherless rates have the highest murder rates. I think I'm making my point. So what's missing that a father brings? It's this. Fathers bring a vital emotional connection to their sons. Physical presence is not the key factor. Many dads are present, but have no emotional bond with their sons. Sons need to hear and feel three things from their dad. I'm proud of you. I love you and I know you're good at, and you have to know what they're good at. A 1997 Swiss study found children are 10 times more likely to be spiritually engaged when dad is engaged in his faith as compared to mom's impact. The emotional bond of a father to his son is God's first choice for bringing Jesus to boys. Jesus is the conduit for for bringing the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit supplies self-control and all the fruit that is needed for that boy to love people instead of killing them and killing themselves. We have no idea what happened to Cain, we're not told. Cain may have been like some boys, they just go rogue. And there are numerous fathers that have multiple children who are all grown up just fine, yet there's that one that just went rogue And I'm deeply sad for the fathers in here who've had to walk that road, and I know a number of you had. And I hope you know there is no way that the words I'm saying would help, I'd ever want you to be ashamed or feel like I'm blaming you in some way as a failure as a father because your son went off the end. I'm not saying that at all, not at all. If your son failed, it does not mean that you failed as a father, all right? It doesn't mean that. Sometimes the boys just derail. What I am saying, there is a chance Adam was a passive, emotionally detached father. He did not protect Eve from the devil. He blamed Eve for her sin. He did not protect Cain from his anger. He did not protect Abel from Cain. He looks very passive to me. A passive father causes the same problem as a missing father. He does not provide that critical, emotional bond that a son needs from his father. When we studied the life of David, we saw him as a passive father. David loved God. He was a man after God's own heart, yet a terrible father. Eight wives, a son who raped his sister, a son who killed that son, a son who tried to kill David. And his best son had 300 wives and 700 concubines. And Solomon ultimately leaves the nation of Israel away from God. David was not a good father. He was passive. Passive fathers do not engage in the emotional health of their children. Passive fathers are just like absent fathers. Many sons from passive fathers disconnect from God and become destructive to the world and to themselves. Another type of emotionally detached father is one who uses the Bible to discipline his children. The father is convinced biblical discipline is the key to good parenting. The Bible was not written to be used as an external behavior control device. It was not. Because sin destroys man from the inside out, the Bible was written to transform man from the inside out. The Bible is meant for each person to read and to hear God speak directly to their heart. Behavior is controlled internally through the Holy Spirit. When the Bible is used as an external policeman, The child will hate the Bible and the person that uses it that way. Much parenting from 1945 to 1980 was done using that very technique. Those systems have left so many men scarred from a childhood marked by heavy discipline, rules, and emotional detachment. Gentlemen, these systems do not work. Remember, Jesus came to release the Jewish people from that exact problem. In Matthew eleven twenty nine, 29, we heard him say, Come to me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. My burden and easy is easy and my yoke is light. And what is he talking about? He's talking about liberating Jews from the oppression of the Jewish leaders who use the Torah to oppress the people and control their behavior. I have spent so much time in the last eight years helping young men unravel hatred of their father, of the Bible, and of God where they were emotionally managed using the Bible as a discipline tool. It has done a lot of damage to these young men. Now, I'm not saying we should not discipline our children. I'm not saying that at all. We have to discipline our children, just not that way. We as fathers hold the keys to helping our children love Jesus and developing all the fruits of the spirit that'll help them build healthy emotional bonds with their spouses, their children, and their community. In Deuteronomy five, nine through 10, God said this to Moses, you shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord, your God, am jealous, God, and I will punish the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love and keep my commandments. For those who are not saved, your sinful ways will pass for generations to your children. Cain's line was destroyed by God by a flood. His whole line, not one of them left behind, none of them. That whole lineage was gone, wiped out because none of them loved God. All came from the hatred of Cain. His sins followed his line because he did not love God. But as for the followers of Jesus, we can pass our faithfulness on for generations to our children. How do we know that? Because in that same chapter of four, of Genesis, Seth was born. Seth was born. Did you catch it? The last sentence, the last verse of chapter four. From Seth comes who? Noah. And from Noah comes Abraham. From Abraham, Jesus, and from Jesus, us. Literally, as God said, thousands of generations have been blessed by the faithfulness of who? Seth. Seth, the son of Adam who walked with God the most unknown character in the Bible, and truly one of the great heroes that we should know. Guys, as dads, we must lead our children to Jesus, even knowing some will rebel, some will. Your children will have a much higher probability coming to Jesus if you are physically available, if you are emotionally stable, predictable, and warm, if your love for them is reflected in your love for their mother, and you care for her as Christ loved the church, And if your children see you transformed and broken by the word of God every day, you are not responsible for your children walking away from Jesus. Jesus had brothers that walked away from him and never believed in him. But please don't use that as an excuse to walk away from what I believe is one of the most important jobs we're assigned by God. And that's to do our very best to help our sons know and follow Jesus Christ. As I close, Please know our boys in this country are under attack. They are being aborted by their moms, murdered by each other, killed by the police. They're rotting in prisons, addicted to drugs, and abandoned by their families, our schools, and our politicians. If you think I'm exaggerating, just pick up any number of books that will describe this. This is the most untalked about crisis in the world. It's absolutely unbelievable. You have no idea. Our eyes are blinded to this. And it's the media that does this. They don't want you to see this. These numbers are startling when you look at how much is being lost and how many young boys are being lost in our community right now. It's startling. Boys are the most disposable group of people in America today, bar none. There's nobody more disposable than boys in America. Please, guys, listen to me. Don't let the media make you think that the fix is guns and race. It's not. The fix is getting boys reunited with fathers. That's the fix. Our boys have no chance unless we as Christian men get involved. We must help men be better fathers. And we must help guys that don't have a father get connected to men that would love them. We started Heart of a Man because of this pain I have suffered for my dad. And if you sense a little edge in me, yeah, I feel it. I do have some anger towards my dad. There is some, still some hatred hanging around in there. You could feel it, yeah. I feel this lesson, I felt this, this Cain and Abel thing. It, it really has tugged at me all week. But I found healing and restoration through Christian men who brought me to Jesus Christ, I have. And we are here to help you guys. That's why Heart of a Man is here, is to help you. We're on mission, you guys. We are not gonna watch the boys of America get left behind. We're not doing that. We are not. We're gonna stand up and we're gonna help and we're gonna engage and we're gonna help you guys be better fathers and we're gonna get your eyes opened to those that don't have fathers and get you to go help those that need help. Don't bury your head in the sand and say, my life's good, I'll just ignore the other guy. Don't do that. Guys, I can't tell you how many men are struggling with this. There are so many families that are just destroyed and broken and nobody talks about it. Nobody talks about it, but this is what's the going on in our country right now. So please get your eyes open and think about it. You can start by reaching out to your leaders if you're one of those guys that's hurting right now and you're saying, man, I feel the pain you're talking about, Bill. My life with my father was a train wreck and I am hurting. Reach out to your leader in your group and get connected and we will help you work through that pain. We have heart groups that we, do, that we use to work through that kind of pain and suffering. We want you to get help. And for you guys who are feeling healthy and you're like, man, none of this matters to me. I got great relationships with all my friends and everything's great. Do this for me. Open your eyes to the pain of somebody else. Would you be willing to start helping boys without dads or men that have father wounds in our community? Would you be willing to do that? We need you. We need your help if you're all good and everything's tidy. We need your help. And for you guys that are dads, you guys that are dads, man, if I could only play the tape back, if I could just get that dad of mine back, if he could only know what a big mistake he made. Don't be that guy, please. You gotta take the job you have seriously. You gotta embrace the opportunity you have to be a fantastic father. You have an opportunity to bring that little one to Jesus. You do, please take the job seriously. Don't be a passive father. Don't be an emotionally detached father. Please don't do that. Ask yourself this question, what can I do right now? What will I do to start improving my fathering skills so I can help my children love and know Jesus? What can I do? What can I do to get better? Tonight, we learn two critical concepts from Genesis 4. God can see the hatred we carry in our hearts, the demands that we confess it, and get right with that brother with whom we hold animosity and stop trying to hide behind your Christian lifestyle. And second, Jesus is weeping. He's weeping as he sees so many young men dying because their fathers have emotionally abandoned them. He made fathers to bring Jesus to their sons. He's begging us to join him as we reach those who need a father. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you and we thank you. Thank you for all of the dads that are in this room that are good dads. Lord, help those men that need help with this issue and help us help each other, love each other well. Lord, help us stop attacking each other. There's no need for it, Lord, we need each other. Lord, help us love each other differently, Lord. Help us feel the love of the Father and help us be loving fathers. In your name I pray, Jesus. Amen.